0: Welcome to the audio podcast for Beit Abba, the Messianic Jewish ministry at the Father's house. We exist to proclaim the gospel to the Jewish people and to connect Christians to Israel and the Jewish roots of our faith. I am so excited to be here and it's just really wonderful to be with the Beit Abba family. I really consider you my family and I'm Especially happy that we're able to spend some time tonight studying God's word. And especially because it's Sukkot. I really believe, just even prophetically, I mean, Pastor Kathy and I, of course, didn't plan this. I didn't even know I was going to be speaking till I don't know, maybe three weeks ago, I'm not really sure. But I believe that God has things ordered in the spirit. That the word that He would have me bring today is just. The set time is today. And so last month, I know because Pastor Kathy told me that she began to unfold the story of Joseph and she asked me to continue with that message. You know what is interesting about that is that I'm kind of known for my teaching about Joseph. I teach whole seminars about Joseph. But the weird thing is is I'm not going to teach any of that tonight. I'm teaching you something new that I believe the Lord downloaded into my spirit and I'm going to focus in on just one aspect that the Lord really spoke into me. I I believe for you, I believe it may be for other people, but that there's something very definite that I believe the Lord is communicating. And so tonight I want to center in on the story of Benjamin and how it relates to the story of Joseph. And so I'm calling tonight's word, Go Get Benjamin. And it's really the unveiling of a very important truth that I believe is for this hour. You know, it's funny, I shared with my husband, of course he's heard my Joseph seminars before. I never let him know when I'm preaching or teaching or anything. I won't even let him see my notes. I run downstairs to the printer to snatch them away before anybody can see it. And in fact, Pastor Kathy asked me today, she texted me and she said, do you have a title for the podcast? And then she quickly texted me again. She says, oh, never mind, I know you're not going to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I need to keep it. It's like incubating because even the title would be prophetic. I feel like you'll remember those three words when we leave here tonight, go get Benjamin. So let's start at the beginning of Joseph and Benjamin's relationship in Genesis 30 verses 22 through 24. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb, and she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. So Joseph and Benjamin were connected together from the very start. Before even Benjamin was conceived... Joseph carried a prophetic unction for him. And so there's a great divine connection between Joseph and Benjamin from the beginning. And I believe that this is even going to speak to us. I know it has to me as I've been studying this out the last few weeks, that it's, I believe, going to give us a great prophetic mandate for this hour. And so we discover in the scripture, and I'm just going to quickly walk you through the whole historical uh, aspect of the scripture regarding Benjamin and Joseph, but we discover in the scripture that Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin. So let's look at this. In Genesis 35, verses 16 through 20, it says, then they journeyed from Bethel, or Bethel. I'm used to the church in Reading. Bethel. And when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, don't fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni, in other words, son of my sorrow. But his father... Jacob called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. And so this begins a story that has prophetically developed over history that is both alternatively tragic as well as victorious regarding Benjamin. And so even in this very birthing of him, his name, Ben-Oni, son of my sorrow, but wait, no, your name's going to be Benjamin, son of the right hand. There is a contrary picture that's going to happen regarding Benjamin. But the prophecy at Joseph's birth must be true. God will add. Not only will he add another son, but I believe Benjamin's story ultimately will end in increase and in victory. And we'll take a look at how this unfolds. And something great is going to come forth from it because it was promised. But what a prophecy. That the adding would, add, would involve a death. So Rachel gets this prophecy with her first son, this is great. You're going to have another son. But in order to bring that son forth, she's going to die. And John 12, 24 says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And now let's look at Matthew 2, verses 16 through 18. Again, I'm just giving you the background of what I'm going to be talking about, but I want you to have this in your head. In Matthew 2, verse 16, it says, then Herod when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men. And you know this story, that when the wise men come, and you know Herod is sensing there may be competition for his crown. And so he hears, uh-oh, there might be one born who is a king. So he gets the information from wise men, but he was deceived by them, and he was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem. Now remember, Rachel is having um, her son, Benjamin, on her way to Bethlehem. And so put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in, in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, a voice was heard in Ramah, Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And this was actually a quote out of Jeremiah 31. And we know just in history, it described uh, the years of captivity that awaited them in Babylon. But I believe that this story Involves a tremendous revelation for our day. It's not just then. You know, this is true of all of the scriptures that it historically happened. It had impact in that day. But the scriptures tell us, even in 1 Corinthians 10 11, it says, all these things happened to them, the children of Israel. And it says it happened as types and in samples, and they're written for our learning and admonition upon whom. The ends of the ages are come. God is really unveiling revelation to us, even over what has already historically happened, which did happen, but he's saying, no, there's spiritual truths in that, and they're happening even today, I believe. And we're going to see it in the scripture. And it's a revelation, I believe, that speaks of the Jewish people. I believe it speaks of Jesus, and I believe that it speaks of the church, so all three. And just like in Jeremiah's time, there was going to come another captivity. So in Jeremiah's time, there was coming the Babylonian captivity, but there was another captivity that was also spiritually being spoken of that was going to impact the Jewish people. And what is so interesting to me And I can't go into this because I know I'm going to have a time limit today, and I need to save every bit of it for the scripture and bringing forth what God would have. But I have a very unusual personal story, and Kathy will know what I'm talking about, regarding Jeremiah 32 and an unfolding of some land in Israel. So one day I will share that story to you, but I believe it's all tied into this. So I want to read to you. Some scriptures regarding this other captivity, which is a casting away of the Jewish people. Just as they were cast away into Babylon but brought forth, there's another casting away that we read about in the scriptures as well. In Romans 10, verse 1, it says, Brethren, so Paul is writing to the Romans, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. And then In chapter 11, he says, verse 1, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham. And I thought this was so interesting. Of the tribe of Benjamin. You see, I believe the revelation that God would add through a son named Benjamin included even Paul the apostle, but you'll see how this unfolds. In Romans 11, verse 11, it says, I say then, have the Jewish people stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? So I'm reading this all to you. Because you're going to see it in the story of Joseph and Benjamin. But I want you to have this fresh in your mind. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Yes. Romans eleven twenty-two, 22. And then I'll be back in Genesis. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness, from Jacob. Don't forget the prophetic significance. It goes back to Ben-Oni, the son of my sorrow. And we're going to see this for just a minute because I believe Romans 11 is pictured in the story of Benjamin, or rather, the story of Benjamin is a picture of Romans chapter 11. And as we unfold the story of Joseph and Benjamin, I believe that God is going to speak to you and even give you the prophetic mandate for this hour regarding the Jewish people. So let's go back to the story of Joseph and Benjamin. It would be many years after Joseph's birth before Benjamin would be born because Benjamin was going to be key. Why? Well, Benjamin is the only one who shared a mother with Joseph. And so he was the only one who was fully tied to him. They all, all of the the sons had the same father, but they had different mothers. You know, there were four different mothers. And so I believe that prophetically this speaks of great truths to us today. And, you know, I think one way to look at this story, and, you know, there's always many ways to look into the scriptures, but what I was seeing for this hour is one way to look at the story is Joseph, is a type of Jesus. I think he's a very strong type of Jesus. And I know there's one way to look at the story and say, well, all the 12 sons, are a type of the Jewish people because, in fact, they are the Jewish people. But I want to, for a minute, set that aside because sometimes God gives us insights within a story. I believe that the first 10 brothers, the sons of Leah, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, I believe that they are a type of the wild branches of Romans 11. And you'll still see why. They're still children of the father. all of us as believers are all children of the Father. And it, the Gentile church is children of the Father. The Jewish church, the ones who believe in the Messiah, are children of the Father. But now let's go back and look at Benjamin's long-awaited birth because Rachel is a key to understanding this story. Though Benjamin came last, it was the children from uh, Rachel that Jacob so yearned for so desired and you know i look at this just even in god's time clock though the jewish people on the whole of course i'm jewish and i believe in jesus but on the whole we've not seen jewish believers come to the lord really in great numbers yet i mean there's certainly a lot more than when i first got saved there were almost no jewish believers it was very rare to meet someone who was a Jewish believer. And so there's many more. There's great revivals going on. My husband works for Jews for Jesus. And, you know, there's a tremendous work of God going on in Israel, um, in, uh, you know, just really all over the world. So it's tremendous. But not we've not seen the fullness of what the scriptures really begin to prophesy. And so we see in the scriptures in Genesis 29 that Jacob had to struggle for Rachel, That relationship did not come easily. He had to, of course, as you know, marry Leah first. In fact, it took 14 years of hard work to finally get to marry Rachel and then she couldn't have children at first. And so I look at this and I say, well, even the struggles that the Jewish people have had, even in the Old Testament, it involved delays, it involved trials, it involved wanderings. I mean, it's been thousands of years of history of just uh, various struggles and you know, victories in there, but struggles as well. And so if you even take the story of Jacob marrying Rachel and finally having children, but rolling the story even further back. Isaac had to struggle for Jacob. Abraham had to struggle for Isaac. In other words, getting to the place where Rachel was actually going to be able to have Joseph and Benjamin was not easy. Why? Because it was kingdom destiny. And when you trace that whole line, you discover that it was hard every place. And that even in order to bring forth what Benjamin had, there was going to be a death. There was going to be an even greater. So why was it so hard? Because even though it was a beginning point, in a sense, in that children are being born, it was really the beginning point of the culmination Of destiny, that it was that which put into place. And so the story, I believe, is not a small part of history. It's really part of the point of history. You know, even as the scripture says in the book of Revelation that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, that, you know, this isn't, oh, surprise, Israel didn't work out. That's not what it was. It was like, no, this is all in the plans and the purposes of God. So, what does the story, the whole story, prophetically point to? I believe, like, you know, as you look at Joseph's story, and I know that you're familiar with it, even as Joseph was re- being revealed to all of his brothers, it had to ultimately be to all of the brothers. And so we must go get Benjamin, and you'll see what I mean in just a second. The one who shares the mother, the one who is of that bloodline. So let's look at the story of Joseph and his brothers in just a little bit more detail. And uh, you know I'll buzz through this really quickly. Genesis 37, verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because... He was the son of his old age. In other words, prophetically, I believe that this speaks of that the things, the culmination of history, which really began two thousand years ago with Jesus dying on the cross, with you know what's pictured here as Joseph carrying that multicolored mantle, um, that the multicolored coat was that this was the love that the father has had from the beginning, the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. So this is why Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. So just like Joseph is you know, the 11th of the 12 sons, he comes at the end, the son of the old age. In these last days, God is speaking through Jesus just the same way that Joseph is seen being the key in that hour. But then, you know the story, a great betrayal of Joseph took place. And so Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. Then he was falsely accused while in slavery. By his master, he ends up going to prison. But in prison, Joseph interprets the butlers and the bakers' dreams correctly. Then Joseph is actually forgotten. He thinks, great. They got, you know, the butler got released just as I prophesied. He's going to remember me. He's going to bring me out. This is going to be wonderful. But it says for two full years, no, nothing happened. Well, sometimes I believe we look at the history of what God is doing in the earth, and we say, Lord, how long? How long is this going to happen? I mean, you know, when is this revival going to come? And even as Pastor Kathy shared uh, earlier, and she talked about how um, there's the former reign and the latter reign in the book of Acts is the former reign. And, you know, we're living in days of the latter reign. You can go like, well, but what happened in this middle time? But you see, there's a set time of God's favor that comes. There's a set time. God has a clock that He abides. I mean, He's outside of time. To us, it just seems like, wow, this has been forever. But you see, Joseph was just forgotten. In other words, he was kind of put on ice. He's just working away down in the prison. The butler's left. It's been two years. Here he is. But then, Pharaoh, at the set time, has a troubling dream. You see, I believe, even now, the earth is crying out. Pharaoh, in our hour, is having a troubling dream. You know, the world is having a troubling dream. They don't know what it means, and nobody has the answer. They are just you know trying to figure out answers. They manifest it in different ways. They're angry at this. There's wars over here. This thing, you know, it's like everybody's trying to have an answer. But you see, just like Pharaoh, there are no answers. You can consult all the magicians, you can bring all of the wise men, you can do it all. But then, in Joseph's story, the butler remembers oh, yeah, there's a people, there's a God. There's someone who has the answer. And you see, I believe that's the season we're in. I believe that we're in a set time. So even as Kathy was talking about the former and the latter rain, I was thinking of the scripture while you were talking. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. I think that God is calling us to begin to press in to see the outpouring because the set time has come. And so even this story begins to unfold it. But in Romans 8, verse 19, because this is what it says about the earth crying out, it says, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And you'll see what happens in the story of Joseph. Egypt was happy. When the sons get revealed, when everyone knows who everybody is, this was a time of rejoicing for Egypt, for the Pharaoh. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I believe this is all speaking right inside when we look at the Joseph Benjamin story. So the butler finally remembers Joseph, that he interpreted his dream correctly, and tells Pharaoh. So it says in Genesis 41, verse 14, listen to this. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. I believe what God is doing right now in the set time is going to be quickly done. That all of this time that has gone where you kind of go like, Lord, what? you know, what is this? Why the wait? What is happening? I believe that when God says go, it's going to be a quick work. So quickly, Joseph is brought out of the dungeon. He shaved. He changed his clothing, came to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to an interpret it. You see, the time clock in the earth, I believe, is accelerating toward the fulfillment of God's purposes. And so because of Joseph's ability to interpret the dream and have the wisdom to know what to do, Joseph is suddenly, from the pit of the dungeon, is brought up and put into position to save the world from famine, even as Jesus himself was put into that position. John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 5, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. But he was the light. And so in Genesis 42, Jacob and his 11 sons were suffering from the famine as well. So Jacob sends off all the sons but Benjamin. So we're back to the Joseph and Benjamin story to get grain because we've got to go back to Bethlehem. We've got to go back to the place that Rachel even uh, was on her way to birth Benjamin at Bethlehem, that house of bread. It's the place of birthing Jesus in our midst. And so in Genesis 42 verse 1, it says, when Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. You know, they're all thinking Joseph is dead. They have no idea that Joseph is in control of the grain in Egypt. But they did see that there was grain in Egypt. And Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, indeed, I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there, that we may live and not die. So Joseph's 10 brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity befall him. You see, I believe hunger is the great motivator. And it's Joseph, it's Jesus who's in charge of the word. It's Jesus who's in charge of the food that's going to feed our souls. It's Jesus who's the one who doles this thing out. And it's hunger that begins to come and motivate people. So already the world was coming, but now Jacob is going like, "We're hungry. We don't have any food. You've got to go, don't know what this is all about, but you need to go over there, but I'm going to hold back Benjamin." I've got to hold back Benjamin, but the rest of you, the other 10, you go and you go get some of that grain. But I love this because Jacob says to his sons, and I hear the father saying this to us in the church even now, he says, why do you look at one another? You see, we at the church can't just sit around any, any longer just looking at each other, you know, just, hmm. Nice. No, there's something that God wants us to do and each one of us to go and do. So we're going to see what this might be. And so Genesis 42, 8, so the brothers go. And it says, so Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And I love this. This New Testament tells us this in 1 John 4:19. It says, we love Jesus because he first loved us. He recognized us before, long before we recognized him. He always knew us. And Colossians 1, 27, it says, To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the story goes on, verse 13 of Genesis 42, and it says, And they said, Your servants are twelve brothers." the sons of one man, so they're talking to Joseph, the 10 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan, and in fact, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no more, because they thought Joseph was dead. You see, I believe Benjamin, who's back with the father, a type, I believe, of the Jewish people has been sovereignly protected to this time by the Father. Verse 15 of Genesis 42 In this manner you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not leave this place unless your, bro- your youngest brother comes here. I want you to know, I don't believe the latter rain will come. This is what I began to see as the scriptures unfolded, that we will not see the outpouring of the latter rain until we go and get Benjamin. That there is something that God wants to do in the earth, but it involves bringing forth Benjamin back and introducing him back to Joseph. And so we see, I believe, the great culmination of time and the great culmination of kingdom purposes waiting for its unfolding until we bring Benjamin. Let's see this in this story. It says in verse 17, so Joseph put them all together in prison three days. I mean, I could preach a whole message right on that, but I won't. Then Joseph said to them the third day, do this and live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses and bring your youngest brother to me." You see, the church's greatest freedom is gonna come when we bring Benjamin back. And it's interesting, even in Isaiah, when it talks about the spirit of the Lord, you know, Jesus quoted it himself, Um, But it says, you know, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And it lists all of these different things. It's to preach. It's to bring liberty to the captives. It's to set the prisoner free. All of these things. Great freedom comes, but it's going to come when we bring the youngest brother back to Joseph. And it says in verse 24 that Joseph turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and he talked with them. And, you know, I thought of Isaiah again in Isaiah 1, verse 18. It says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And so, you know, Jesus is talking with us, he's communicating with us, but there's something still. And he says that he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. You know, Simeon, his name means hearing. And I believe that there's been a lack of hearing, the fullness of what God is speaking amongst the brothers. It's like, no, we're going to separate out this ability and even Amos eight eleven says behold the days are coming says the Lord God that I will send a famine on the land not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the Lord so now not only must Benjamin be restored But now Simeon has to be restored as well. The ability to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And when you look at the book of Revelation and he speaks to all of the seven churches, each time the Lord says, let him who has ears Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I think God is not only saying that we need to go get Benjamin, that we need to have a fresh prophetic mandate to begin to preach the gospel in a way like we've never preached it before to Jewish people, in a way where we begin to pray for the souls of the Jewish people like never before, but we also have to pray, Lord, would you restore our hearing once again? Would you have? Help us to hear what you're saying in, in this hour because we can't just be doing our own thing and you see the motivator for it all is hunger God's saying blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they're going to be filled and the whole earth is groaning and travailing many people don't even know what they're looking for but we as the church have to have our hearing restored again so that we ourselves at least know it's the Lord that we're looking for Lord we're asking you for the rain in this time of the latter rain Lord we're asking Lord would you bring back Benjamin would you help us to go get Benjamin and bring him back so let's see as this story unfolds in Genesis 42 verse 29 it says then they went to Jacob their father in the land of Canaan and told him all that had happened to them but Jacob said my son Benjamin shall not go down with you For his brother is dead, and he's left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Genesis 43, verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land. We thought we were hungry before. But God is creating an even greater hunger. You see, I believe revival comes when the hunger is increased. When we begin to say, I want more of you, Lord. That I'm not satisfied with that which is just the regular. You know, I love the story of the manna. Go and gather as much as you want. And it's good for that day. You see, every day we need to have a hunger for more of the Lord. And so it says that, um, no, you, you can't have him. But now the famine is even more severe in the land. And it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt that their father said to them, go back, buy us a little food. But Judah spoke to him saying, the man solemnly warned us saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. You know, and I, I thought of Psalm 80 in verse 19 Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Even the ironic blessing. You know, every week the blessing goes forth that, Lord, cause your face to shine upon us. But you see, it's saying, you know, because that's what we want. We want to be able to see, you know, the face of the Lord. We want to be able to press in to the fullness of what he has for us. But he's saying, no, you can't have the fullness except that the fulfillment of history Come forth. And so verse 8 in Genesis 43, it says, Then Judah said to his father, and I love this, because the move of God is intimately, I believe, tied to worship, because he dwells in the praises of his people. And Judah shall lead. And so it says, Then Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the lad with me. And we will arise and go, that we may live and not die. Both we and you, and also our little ones. Verse 13, take your brother also. So go ahead, take Benjamin. Arise and go back to the man. You see, I believe the Lord is calling us to arise up because when we rise up, we're going to encounter Jesus. We're going to, I believe, see him in a fresh way. And not only will we be bringing uh, Benjamin with us, but that Simeon will be restored. That ability to hear what the Spirit is saying. And, you know, I believe that as we begin to understand Romans chapter 11, that God is going to restore our ability to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. Genesis 43, 14, it says, And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. If I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. You know, it reminds me so much of Esther, and I think we're in an Esther hour. If I perish, I perish. There comes a point because of hunger where you say, Lord, I don't have my own agenda anymore. What would you have? Nevertheless, not my will be done but your will be done. Genesis 43, verse 15. So the men took the present and Benjamin, and they took double money in their hand and arose and went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my home and slaughter an animal and make ready, for these men will dine with me at noon. Verse 19, when they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house, they talked with him at the door of the house. And I don't have time to go into this, but I really believe that this is the type of the Holy Spirit and is a type and a message to us that the Holy Spirit is a key to this great end time move of God. Verse 23, but the steward of Joseph's house said, peace be with you, don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks, I had your money, then he brought Simeon out to them. You see, as we bring Benjamin forth, the gifts of the spirit, are going to begin to flow, and the ability to hear what the Spirit is saying to us will increase. It says that it was the God of your Father who put treasure in your sacks. You see, you know, and I've said this for years, but now I'm seeing the connection. I've always felt that the great revival of the last days was going to be a revival of body ministry. You see, God's revealing the treasure that's in each and every one's sack, that God is saying, arise, we're all coming with this together. And it's not, in, in Romans 11, it says, and in the end, we're bringing Benjamin with us. And verse 26, and it says, and when, Joseph came home, then he lifted his eyes, and he saw his brother Benjamin, so they're all there now, his mother's son, and said, is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Now his heart yearned for his brother, so Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep, and he went into his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and he restrained himself and said, serve The bread. I love this. I I mean, this could probably be 25 different messages, but Hebrews 7, verse 25, it says, Therefore, he also is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And I love, you know, so Joseph is turning aside, weeping, interceding, but I love that he says, Serve the bread. Serve that which comes from the house of bread. Serve that which comes from Bethlehem. Serve that which even a seed had to die to bring forth. Genesis 43 verse 34, it says, Then he took servings to them from before him, but Benjamin's serving was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. And of course, five is the number of grace. This is a work of grace and that's why in Romans 11 where it says if they're being cast away is Reconciling of the world what will their acceptance be? But life from the dead. There's five portions. There's portions of grace. There is history that just unfolds the culmination of everything that has gone before and then when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers It says in Genesis 45, verse 1, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood before him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now don't be therefore grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, The famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting and God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here but God. And he's made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout All the land of Egypt, hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me. You and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine. And behold your eyes. And the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it's my mouth that speaks to you. And I began to think of the book of Revelation and the two witnesses. It just was all coming together that it's the Jewish and the Gentile believers in Jesus who are going to testify of what they've seen and heard. 1 John 1 verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, Because Simeon is now back with them, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life that was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So verse 13 of Genesis 45, Joseph says, so you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck, and he wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. I think that this is the great fulfillment of John 17 that they might be one, even as you and I, Father, are one. Genesis 45, or 16. Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. Load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households and come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and will eat the fat of the land. And I believe that this is the great fulfillment of Romans 8. The earth is waiting for this. Finally, Genesis 50, verse 19, it says, Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I think that this is Romans chapter 11, that the great harvest is upon the earth. It is just fascinating to me that we're even looking at this on Sukkot, the harvest festival. It's of both Gentiles and Jewish people coming to the Messiah because Jesus has gone before in order to save much people alive. Whatever has happened, the delays, the situations, the, um, the Benonies, the son of my sorrow, it all turns into Benjamin, the son of the right hand. But right now, Benjamin is missing at Joseph's table. I mean, there are a few. But the revival that God wants to bring amongst the Jewish people is huge. That's what the scripture tells us. It's, at first, Joseph's brothers come without Benjamin. But we need to realize the church does not have Benjamin sitting at the table. We need Benjamin. The church has not, in my opinion, and you know, I speak to myself, to all of us, that we've not reached out to the Jewish people really as we should with the gospel. I think God is waking up the church to it. But I don't think we've seen and understood the fullness of what that means yet. But the hour is now to go get Benjamin. The hour is now to bring him into the banquet. And, you know, I began to see this, that we're in this prophetic time of a reverse of Acts chapter 10. You know, if you know Acts chapter 10, the church actually needed a revelation at that time to go to the Gentiles. They were only preaching to the Jews. And so God gives Peter this vision of all the unkosher food and says, eat of it. Anyway, it was a revelation that he understood finally to mean don't call people unclean who God has called clean. And then Cornelius was ready to be saved, a, a Gentile. And so this hour that we're in, oh, the door's been opened to the Gentiles. But now the door needs to open back to the Jewish people. It's going to stay open to the Gentiles, but it's got to open to the Jewish people. We've got to begin to see this coming back. Why? Because Rachel is weeping for her children. And so Romans 11 tells us what the prophetic purpose of Benjamin's temporary absence was, that there was fruit that came through the temporary absence Benjamin. That's what Romans 11 is about, that, well, this enabled the Gentile church, you know, the gospel to go to all the Gentiles. And so just as there's been fruit of the temporary turn of the gospel to the Gentiles, there needs to now be even greater fruit when the gospel also goes to the Jews again. Which is why I just hear in my spirit, go get Benjamin, that the Lord is calling us back to preach the gospel to the Jewish people. We're called to preach to everyone who's who's hungry, and all the brothers are invited to the table. And it's been prophesied in Genesis 22, verse 18, to Abraham, in your seat all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. But now, it's not just to the Gentile people. Now God is saying, reverse the Acts chapter 10. Don't just preach to the Gentiles, but preach to the Jews. It's a call, I believe, to all believers to be a powerful witness. It's a call to go get Benjamin. It's a call to say, no, having the 10 isn't enough. We need the 11th. We need them all. Because the Jewish people, just like Cornelius, was crying out to God. The Jewish people, I believe, are crying out for a real encounter with the Lord, and the Lord is responding to their heart's cry. And so the Lord is preparing people all around you. This is what I see in my spirit. He's preparing people all around you for the gospel. And, you know, yes, it's Gentile people, but it's also Jewish people, the same way that the Lord prepared Cornelius... And so the Lord is waking up the church once again and opening our eyes. And so we look in Acts 10, verse 17, it says, now while Peter wondered within himself what this weird vision of the clean, unclean thing was about, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate, and they called, and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. You see, God was working both sides of the story at the same time. He wasn't just working in Peter's life. He was working in Cornelius's life because he had a vision too. And he knew that there was a man named Peter. And so Uh, He had sent someone and he stood at the gate waiting. You know, I see in the spirit that there are people who God is waking up who are waiting to hear the gospel from you, who are waiting to have a people who would pray and say, Lord, would you cause the word? Would you cause your seed? Would you cause your grain to go out to this people? Why? Because there's people waiting at the gate. There's people who are waiting to hear. They're troubled in their own spirit. The same way that when Pharaoh had the troubling dream, it's like, well, who's going to give the answer to this thing? And so there's got to be a people. And so we need, I believe, just in this season to say, Lord, would you restore our hearing? Could we hear what you're saying to the church in this hour? And Lord, we're recognizing that not everybody's sitting at the table. The gospel can't go to these people, but not these people. No, the gospel is for the whole earth. It's for the whole earth. And so in verse 44 of Acts 10, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit have been poured out on the Gentiles also. You see, the outpouring of God's spirit, the latter rain, the revival that God is bringing in this hour is to touch everybody. So we're called not just to witness to Gentiles now, but we'll keep doing that. But we're called to the Jewish people as well. We're called to be witnesses to everyone around us. And that's why it's the greatest harvest. The field is white. The harvest is great. And preaching to all is the call, I believe, that's on each one of us. And so it's a go-get-Benjamin time. But what I want to leave you with today, because we're in this almost the last day of the great feast of tabernacles, a sukkot, And I want to read to you the words that Jesus said. Because as Pastor Kathy said, it was a time of a very special thing with the water. And so Jesus incorporated that. And it says in John 7, verse 37. And you know this verse, but this is the context of it. It's right where we are right now. It says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, this Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he goes on to say, and out of your bellies, shall flow rivers of living water And I believe that God is saying, as you go get Benjamin to come at the table, there's going to be an outpouring of his Holy Spirit. There's going to be latter rain. There's going to be an unfolding. Because there are thirsty people out there. There are hungry people out there. And God would say, look up and look at the harvest so it's white. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. And I believe that's us into the field. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray for each one of us, oh God, Lord, that you would give us just an ability to hear, Lord, in this season. Restore Simeon to us, oh God. Lord, the ability to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. And, Lord God, I pray that you would make each one of us, Lord, bold and brave, Lord, aware of who is standing at the gate. Lord, uh, just even in the spirit, sensing those who are hungry and thirsting. And Lord God, that we would walk in such a dimension of your Holy Spirit, oh God. Lord, that rivers of living water would flow out. For if any man thirsts, let him come and let him drink of the waters of life freely. Lord, I pray you would bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Beit Abba, log on to our website at tfh.org slash or call our office at 707-455-7790.